0: Good morning and welcome to the morning segment of the Wednesday, January 3rd episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I am Wayne Floyd, your host. The Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian podcast community. You can find us over at christianpodcastcommunity.org. A lot of great listening over there, over 60 well-curated podcasts, wide, wide variety of topic areas, all covered from a biblical worldview my brothers and sisters in Christ over there doing some great work for the kingdom. I would encourage you to go on over there. I will guarantee you that you'll find something over there to listen to. And there's a real good chance you're going to find more over there to listen to than you actually have time to listen to it in. All right. Well, middle of the week, uh, we're continuing on with our reading of the scripture. And then this evening, we're going to continue on Um, We're going to wrap up this section about the real Lord's Prayer. It's basically just dealing with verse 1 of this. And as I would agree with MacArthur and I would agree with my pastor, Pastor Jay, um, that this is the real Lord's Prayer, not the one we see back in, I forget where it is, that it it shows up in the Gospels where he instructs the the disciples how to pray when they inquire of him. Um, I agree. I think that's more the disciples' prayer. This is the real Lord's Prayer. So we're going to partake of that for our evening section. But let's go ahead and open up this morning. We're going to open up with the fourth day morning prayer. It's called True Christianity. Let's pray. Lord of heaven, thy goodness is inexpressible and inconceivable. In the works of creation, thou art almighty. In the dispensations of providence, all wise. In the gospel of grace, all love, and in thy son, thou hast provided for our deliverance from the effects of sin, the justification of our persons, the sanctification of our natures, the perseverance of our souls in the path of life. Though exposed to the terrors of thy law, we have a refuge from the storm. Though compelled to cry unclean, we have a fountain for sin. Though creature cells of emptiness, we have a fullness accessible to all and incapable of reduction. Grant us always to know that to walk with Jesus makes other interests a shadow and a dream. Keep us from intermittent attention to eternal things. Save us from the delusion of those who fail to go far in religion, who are concerned but not converted, who have another heart but not a new one, who have light, zeal, confidence, but not Christ. Let us judge our Christianity not only by our dependence upon Jesus, but by our love to Him, our conformity to Him, our knowledge of Him. Give us a religion that is both real and progressive, that holds on its way and grows stronger, that lives and works in the spirit, that profits by every correction and is injured by no carnal indulgence. Amen. All right. Well, our devotion for today from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, we're doing the morning devotion from there. Uh, the text for it is from Isaiah 49, 8. I will give thee for a covenant of the people. Jesus Christ is himself the sum and substance of the covenant, and as one of its gifts he is the property of every believer. Believer, canst thou estimate what thou hast gotten in Christ? In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Consider that word, God, and its infinity, and then meditate upon perfect man and all his beauty, for all that Christ, as God and man, ever had or can have is thine out of pure free favor, passed over to thee to be thine entailed property forever. Our blessed Jesus, as God is omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, will it not console you to know that all these great and glorious attributes are altogether yours? Has he power? That power is yours to support and strengthen you, to overcome your enemies, and to preserve you even to the end. Has he love? Well, there is not a drop of love in his heart which is not yours. You may dive into the immense ocean of his love, and you may say of it all, It is mine. Hath he justice? It may seem a stern attribute, but even that is yours. For he will by his justice see to it that all which is promised to you in the covenant of grace shall be most certainly secured to you. And all that he has as a perfect man is yours. As a perfect man, the Father's delight was upon him he stood accepted by the most high o believer god's acceptance of christ is thine acceptance for knowest thou not that the love which the father set on a perfect christ he sets on thee now for all that christ did is thine that perfect righteousness which jesus wrought out when thought it, i'm sorry when through his stainless life he kept the law and made it honorable is thine and is imputed to thee Christ is in the covenant. My God, I am thine. What a comfort divine. What a blessing to know that the Savior is mine. In the heavenly Lamb, thrice happy I am. And my heart it doth dance at the sound of his name. All right. Well, our reading for today is going to be Genesis 5, 6, and 7. Matthew 3, verse 7 through Matthew 4, verse 11. Psalm 3, and then Proverbs 1, verses 10 through 19. And just a minute, I need need a drink of my uh, Sprite here. All right. Genesis 5, hear the word of the Lord. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female. And he blessed them and named them man in the day when they were created. When Adam had lived a hundred and thirty years, he became the father of a son, in his own likeness, according to his image, and named him Seth. Then the days of Adam after he became the father of Seth were a hundred or were eight hundred years, and he became the father of other sons and daughters. So all the days that Adam lived were nine hundred and thirty years, and he died. And Seth lived a hundred and five years. And became the father of Enosh. Then Seth lived 807 years after he became the father of Enosh. And he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Seth were 912 years. And he died. And Enosh lived 90 years and became the father of Kenan. Then Enosh lived 815 years after he became the father of Kenan. And he became the father of other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. After Kenan lived 70 years, and became the, mother of, the father of Mahalalel, then Kenan lived 840 years after he became the father of Mahalalel, and he became the father of other sons and daughters. So all the days of Kenan were 910 years, and he died. And Mahalalel lived 65 years, and became the father of Jared, Then Mahalalel lived 830 years after he became the father of Jared, and he became the father of other sons and daughters. So all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years, and he died. And Jared lived 162 years and became the father of Enoch. Then Jared lived 800 years after he became the father of Enoch, and he became the father of other sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. And Enoch lived sixty five years and became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God three hundred years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he became the father of other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were three hundred and sixty five years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And Methuselah lived a hundred and eighty seven years and became the father of Lamech. Then Methuselah lived seven hundred and eighty two years after he became the father of Lamech, and he became the father of other sons and daughters. So all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died, and Lamech lived a 182 years, and became the father of a son. Now he called his name Noah, saying, This one will give us rest from our work, from the pain of our hands arising from the ground, which Yahweh has cursed. Then Lamech lived 595 years after he became the father of Noah, and he became the father of other sons and daughters. So all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. And Noah was 500 years old, and Noah became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Genesis 6 Now it happened, when men began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were good in appearance, And they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Then Yahweh said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he indeed is flesh. Nevertheless his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men, who were of old, men of renown. Then Yahweh saw that the evil of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And Yahweh regretted that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. And Yahweh said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, for I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of Yahweh. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among those in his generations. Noah walked with God. And Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them, and behold, I am about to destroy them from the earth. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms, and you shall cover it inside and out with pitch. Now this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark, three hundred cubits. Its breadth, fifty cubits. And its height, thirty cubits. You shall make a window for the ark, and complete it to one cubit from the top. And set the door of the ark in the side of it. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. As for me, behold, I am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh, in which is the breath of life, from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall breathe its last. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall enter the ark, you and your sons, and your wife, and your sons' wives, with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind into the ark, to keep them alive with you, they shall be male and female of the birds after their kind, and of the animals after their kind, of every creeping thing of the ground after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. As for you, take for yourself some of all food which is edible, and gather it to yourself, and it shall be for food for you and for them. Thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded him, so he did. Genesis 7 Then Yahweh said to Noah, Enter the ark, you and all your household, for you alone I have seen to be righteous before me in this generation. You shall take with you of every clean animal by sevens, a male and his female, and of the animals that are not clean, too, a male and his female, also of the birds of the sky by sevens, male and female, to keep their seed alive on the face of of all the earth. For after seven more days I will send rain on the earth forty days and forty nights, and I will blot out from the face of the land every living thing that I have made. And Noah did according to all that Yahweh had commanded him. Now Noah was six hundred years old when the flood of water came upon the earth. Then Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him entered the ark because of the water of the flood. Of clean animals and animals that are not clean, and birds and everything that creeps on the ground. By twos they came to Noah into the ark, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. Now it happened after the seven days that the water of the flood came upon the earth. In the six hundredth year of noah's life in the second month on the seventeenth day of the month on this day all the fountains of the great deep split open and the floodgates of the sky were opened then the rain came upon the earth for forty days and forty nights on this very day noah and shem and ham and japheth the sons of noah and noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark they and every beast after its kind and all the cattle after their kind and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, every fowl, every winged creature. So they came to Noah into the ark by twos of all flesh, and which was the breath of life. And those that entered male and female of all flesh entered as God had commanded him, and Yahweh closed it behind him. Then the flood came upon the earth for forty days, and the water multiplied and lifted up the ark, so that it rose above the earth. And the water prevailed, and multiplied greatly upon the earth, and the ark went on the surface of the water. And the water prevailed more and more upon the earth, so that all the high mountains under all the heavens were covered. The water prevailed fifteen cubits higher, and the mountains were covered, and all flesh that moved on the earth breathed its last that is, birds, and cattle, and beasts, and every swarming thing that swarms upon the earth, as well as all mankind, all in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life, of all that was on the dry land, died. Thus he blotted out every living thing that was upon the face of the land, from man to animals, to creeping things, and to birds of the sky, and they were blotted out from the earth, and only Noah remained, and those that were with him in the ark, and the water prevailed upon the earth a hundred and fifty days." Matthew 3, starting in verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, therefore bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that from these stones God is able to raise up children to Abraham, and the axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire." Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. And after being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming upon him. And behold, there was a voice out of the heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Matthew 4 through to verse 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he then became hungry And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city, and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and... On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you, if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. Psalm 3 A Psalm of David, when he fled from Absalom his son. O Yahweh, how my adversaries have become many! Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Saylah, But you, O Yahweh, are a shield about me, my glory in the one who lifts my head. I was calling to Yahweh with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain, Selah. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for Yahweh sustains me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people, who all around have set themselves against me. Arise, O Yahweh, save me, O my God. For you have struck all my enemies on the cheek. You have shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to Yahweh. Your blessing be upon your people, Selah. Finally, Proverbs 1, verses 10 through 19. My son, if sinners entice you, do not be willing. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol, and whole as those who go down to the pit. We will find all kinds of precious wealth. We will fill our houses with spoil. Cast in your lot with us. We shall all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Withhold your feet from their pathway, for their feet run to evil, and they hasten to shed blood. For it is no use that a net is spread in the sight of any bird. But they lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush their own lives. So are the paths of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. All right, well that is our reading for the day for the third day of January. I thank you for spending this time with me. I continue to pray that this time together that we spend for, for, for all of us, it helps us to stay saturated in the word of God. Um, It is definitely something that is necessary for us. I hope you have yourself a wonderful day. I would continue to implore you to do all that you do for the glory of God. And I hope to see you for the evening segment. We're going to go ahead and close out in prayer from Valley of Vision. Uh, The one we're going to use is called God, the source of all good. Let's pray. O Lord God, who inhabitest eternity, the heavens declare thy glory, the earth thy riches, the universe is thy temple, thy presence fills immensity. Yet thou hast of thy pleasure created life and communicated happiness. Thou hast made me what I am and given me what I have. In thee I live and move and have my being. Thy providence has set the bounds of my inhabitation, and wisely administers all my affairs. I thank Thee for Thy riches to me in Jesus, for the unclouded revelation of Him in Thy word, where I behold His person, character, grace, glory, humiliation, sufferings, death, and resurrection. Give me to feel a need of His continual saviourhood, and cry with Job, I am vile, with Peter I perish, with the publican be merciful to me, a sinner. Subdue in me the love of sin. Let me know the need of renovation as well as of forgiveness, in order to serve and enjoy thee forever. I come to thee in the all-prevailing name of Jesus, with nothing of my own to plead. No works, no worthiness, no promises, I am often straying, often knowingly opposing thy authority, often abusing thy goodness. Much of my guilt arises from my religious privileges, my low estimation of them, my failure to use them to my advantage. But I am not careless of thy favor or regardless of thy glory. Impress me deeply with a sense of thine omnipresence, that thou art about my path, my ways, my lying down, my end. Amen. All right, again, I hope you have yourself a wonderful day, and I hope to see you for the evening present. Or the evening (laughs) segment, sorry. Have a good day. God bless. Good evening and welcome to the evening segment of the Wednesday january 3rd episode of the faith comes from hearing podcast i continue to be wayne floyd your host all right well we are going to dive into uh continuing our study in john chapter 17 we've moved into john 17 for this year uh and we'll work our way through it um i will let you know i don't know whether we're going to continue straight through to the end of the gospel of john this year um i'm definitely thinking about doing some reading and stuff i need some uh some family time, some home time. Sorry, I need to move my mic around here a little bit. Some family time and some home time. And when I'm reading a book, it actually is less prep time, gives me more time with family. But we'll see. We'll see how things go. I do want to, I do want us to get through the gospel of John and I'm, you know, I'm thinking about moving on into the John's epistles after this, but we'll see where it goes. But so what we want to do is open up with prayer. So the one, let's see. I have this correct. Yeah. So the one we're going to do today, um, from, uh, MacArthur's, um, at the throne of grace. Again, you can get this at GTY. I'm sure gty.com at the throne of grace. Again, a book of prayers that John MacArthur's children put together that he prayed. Um, what I'm going to go ahead and do, I hadn't been doing this, but most of these are based on, on a passage of scripture. So I'm going to go ahead and read the passage of Scripture. And funnily enough, this is from John's epistles. It's from 1 John 2, verses 20 through 29. So let me read this first, and then we'll do the prayer. You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar, but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son, Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. This is the promise which he himself made to us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as it is taught you, you abide in him. Now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame as at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone... Oh, I'm sorry, that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. All right, so here is our prayer. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you that by your mercy and grace, through the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit, by faith in Jesus Christ, your son, we have come to know you. At the moment of salvation, you anointed us by your Spirit, who remains forever with us to teach us to understand your truth. You have drawn us by the power of the gospel to the light of your word. You have given us grace to receive the truth. We who were so deeply defiled by our own guilt, we who were once condemned to destruction, under the righteous demands of your justice. Our very souls were corrupt. We lived in rebellion against your law. Our minds were hostile to your truth, and our very lives were an offense to your holiness. We were hopeless until you gave us an eternal hope. You have saved us by your goodness, grace, and mercy. But you sent your Son to be our Savior, to rescue us from sin's power, by taking our guilt on himself and dying to pay sin's awful price. Mercy and truth thus met at the cross. Righteousness and peace kissed each other. Your wrath against sin was perfectly satisfied your justice was fully vindicated your truth was forever established your grace was brilliantly magnified and all the demands of your law were perfectly fulfilled in the process you lovingly brought brought us into a place of safety honor glory and everlasting salvation you made us your children and heirs joint heirs with your only begotten son Truly there is one God, and one mediator also, between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. As we contemplate all that Christ did for us on the cross, our hearts are filled with humble gratitude. Surely He bore our grief and carried our sorrows. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon Him, and by His scourging we are healed. He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And You have graciously and tenderly drawn us to Him, the shepherd and guardian of our souls. O Lord, what gifts these are to us! Give us grace and pure hearts to worship in spirit and in truth, that our praise may be acceptable to You. May Christ Jesus be fully, be fully on display in us, through both our words and our works, so that others may see and be drawn to the pure light of the gospel. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. What a good one. And that from uh, 1 John 2 fits with what we're going to talk about in the gospel of John in John 17 today. All right. And now our devotion for today. Um, it's the January 3rd devotion. Again, from um, Drawing Near, which is MacArthur's devotional Bible has devotions here at the beginning of each day. So, and I'm not trying to do this with my glasses today, so maybe I'll be a little bit easier reading. So our our little title for today's devotion is Blessing the God of Blessings. So Ephesians 1-3, it looks like we're just working our way through Ephesians here, but the text from Ephesians 1-3 is, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. When we bless God, it is with words of praise, when he blesses us, it is with deeds of kindness. Paul's brief doxology identifies God the Father as the ultimate recipient and source of blessing, the one to whom blessing is ascribed and the one who bestows blessings on those who love him. Blessed blessed translates the Greek word eulogio, from which we get eulogy, To bless or eulogize God is to praise Him for His mighty works and holy character. That should be the response of your heart and mine, just as it has been the response of believers throughout the ages. The psalmist said, Blessed be God, because He has not rejected my prayers. Psalm 66.20 And blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Psalm 72.18 Peter said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 1 Peter 1.3 When the situation is reversed and God blesses us, it isn't with praise. For apart from Him there is nothing praiseworthy about us. Instead, He gives us undeserved benefits. Though this may... Sorry. Through His many deeds of kindness... Scripture identifies Him as the source of every good thing, James 1.17, and works all things together for our good and His glory, Romans 8.28. That is but a sampling of the many blessings He lavishes on us in His Son, Jesus Christ. It's a marvelous cycle. God blesses us with deeds of kindness. We bless Him with words of praise. Beware of the sin of thanklessness. Recognize God's blessing in your life, and let them fill your heart and lips with humble, sincere praise. Suggestions for prayer. Identify 10 specific blessings God has has granted to you in recent days and praise him for each one. Ask him to make you more aware of and thankful for his goodness in your life. Always be ready to seek forgiveness when you take his blessings for granted. All right. Well, that is our devotion for this evening. And we're continuing on in John chapter 17. Again, we've we've been just in verse one. And let me read it real quick. John 17. Jesus spoke these things and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. So, you know, again, we, we've talked about that. You know, this comes on the on the on the tail of John 30, John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you said it so that in me you may have peace in the world you have tribulations, but take courage, I have overcome the world. So he says John 17, verse 1, in light of that. And really, he says it in light of, and and John records it, and Jesus spoke these things in reference back to John 13 through John 16, this whole upper room discourse, this whole private ministry to the disciples. Because again, he's we have to remember, you know, he's he's saying this prayer. In the context, if he's still with these 11, they're still in the upper room. They're getting ready. They're going to leave soon heading into uh, or heading over to the Garden of Gethsemane where he's going to pray more and then he's going to be arrested. But this is kind of the step off. And again, he's praying and we've talked about that. We are. We um, here in talking about the significance of this prayer is what we're going to talk about today. So we're not really dealing with specific verses, but we got to remember the context of this, the setting of this prayer. Um, that we see the first five verses here. It they they it, it, some people will break this into, you know, the first five verses being a prayer for himself, a prayer for Jesus, and then the next I forget how many verses it is is a prayer for the disciples, and. Uh, Let's see, it's verse 6 through, I forget where, through verse 19, I think. And the verse 20 and on is for the church. Um, and you can see the de- delineation there in verse 20. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who also who believe in me through their word. So again, for the church. And again, we, t- we talked about that. Um, actually yesterday talking about the substance of the prayer that we're not speaking of. You know, when Jesus is praying for himself. He's not praying for himself like God do for me. It's like it, it, he's saying, God, let let your work be completed in me so that you and I both will be glorified, that I will be glorified in you and you will be glorified in me, that I will properly complete the work you've set me here for. That's what his prayer is about. When he's praying for the disciples, it's not, oh, make the disciples' lives easy. It's, it's please complete the work you've started in me. Please continue that work through these disciples to continue to glorify yourself and to glorify me. And then, you know, in the church, again, the church section, same kind of thing that the work would be completed within the church, that that work would be done within the church to provide that glory. Again, you know, so again, it's, there's no selfishness involved here. Don't ever mistake that when we talk about Jesus, uh, you know, praying for himself, it's not the selfish prayer that you and I would pray. Um, I, you know, sadly, I mean, I admit that I would probably be praying for myself. I, I would have been sitting there groveling on the ground, bawling, going, please take this away from me. Please don't make me do this. You know, but as we spoke of Jesus is praying this prayer and, and that's kind of the significance of it. And that's what we're talking about. So again, we're not really dealing with the specific verse for what we're going to talk about today, but we, we need to understand the significance of this prayer. Because it would be really easy for us to come along and go, okay, this is just one more chapter in the Gospel of John. Okay, yeah, this is something they call the High Priestly Prayer. Okay, yeah, this is the longest prayer that that is recorded of Jesus praying. That's recorded. He may have prayed longer, and we know we prayed a lot. We've got a lot of, record, lot of um, recordings in the Gospel of him going and praying. But we don't have any others that are like this. We have a few short ones, but we don't have any that are like this. So, you know, and, and we know all of that, but it still can be very easy for us to sit there and, you know, <laughs> and to gloss it over. I mean, go, oh, okay. Yeah. That's kind of a cool prayer. Yeah. That that's neat, but we need to, we, we need to really understand the significance of it. And again, I, part of it I brought up yesterday, but we, we got to realize this is true communion, true conversation. Between two parts of the Godhead. Between the Son and the Father. And these 11 are being blessed to be witnesses of this communication. And we here in our day, through the Holy Spirit, working through the Apostle John to record this, are allowed to be partakers of this as well. While we can't hear it, sit there and hear it and have heard Jesus pray it, we can read it. And if you want to hear it out loud, read it out loud. <laughs> you know, seriously. But but again, we, we are blessed to be able to read this. This communication between the Son and the Father, this true communication. But what we need what we need to grasp overall and the significance of this prayer is this communication between son and father between savior and a holy God basic basically lays out and communicates about the plan about the whole plan of salvation that's what it lays out i mean honestly you could come into john 17 sit down and you could get a basic if you really partook through this and like um we saw um where um Oh, what was it? Uh, one of, one of the, um, commentators I quoted last night was talking about how simple these sentences are, that these are not the most complicated sentences in this prayer. But that if, if we truly read and understand, we, we see clearly the plan of salvation laid out, laid out very, very clearly here for, for for our eyes, I mean, for the disciples, I mean, they, they heard it laid out clearly. And again, we, we know, and we see that they're struggling. Okay. We see that they're struggling with understanding. Um, the fact is we, we see clearly, um, in Peter, um, and believe me, he, he just happens to be the one because he always opens his mouth. But the fact is, I guarantee you the rest weren't getting it either. When, uh, Jesus is sitting there talking to them, talking to them about the fact that he's going to be arrested and he's going to be killed and Peter and and Peter sorry and Peter rebukes him and Jesus says get behind me satan that that is a clear picture of of how much they they don't understand what's going on here well we have Jesus here as much as we've watched he's been trying to lift them up he's been trying to educate them he's been trying to strengthen their faith because he knows this is going to be rough on them um and even as much as he does that We see them scatter, but we see them not go far and we see them ready for him to show on the day he's resurrected and to clarify for them and to set them on their path, you know? So, (laughs) and, and, and his private ministry, though, it's technically wrapped up in 16, they're witnesses to this, to him making clear communication with the father about this plan. This plan that was made. Before the foundation of the earth. And we see Jesus clearly lay it out. He, he, he lays out. He shows clear example to them. About what the outlook needs to be. What, what the true focus needs to be. For them. He, he makes very very clear. That. That. God has chosen them. He has chosen them and he's given them to the, to the son. He's given them to the savior so that the savior can give them eternal life. He's given them that he's given him that he's chosen them and given him these out of the world. And, you know, Jesus is making this clear that they're there for a purpose. I mean, like I said, he's, he's repeatedly, laid that out for them. And he's continuing to do so that what is going on is expected. Again, this isn't a, this isn't a prayer where Jesus is sitting there going, oh, woe is me. This is terrible. You know, whatever, you know, you, you know, I could go on and on, but you know what I mean? He's going, father, glorify your son, that the son may glorify you. Again, this is such a significant prayer. Um, this truly, truly, like I said, lays out so clearly the plan of salvation. Um, We see one of the commentators make, make these comments about this prayer. Its primary characteristic is timelessness. Though uttered within a few hours of Calvary, it contains thoughts and expressions which must have been familiar to our Lord at any moment during the centuries which have followed. As we study it, therefore, we are listening to words which have been uttered many times on our behalf and will be uttered until we are with Him, when He is beholding the glory of the Divine Son, superadded to that of the perfect servant. Again, the... the <sighs> we just have to understand we really do. And it can be tough. I mean, don't get me wrong. It can be tough as we're trying to parse through the gospel and truly understand what's going on here. Um, because I mean, those that had walked with him, um, I, again, I, I hearken back to my, my, my brother Randy's message this, this last weekend, this past Sunday. Um, speaking of the fact that, you know, these 11, they knew the word. I mean, that the word was made flesh, that Jesus was made flesh. He was the word of God and they knew him. They knew him better, better than you and I can. I, well, they knew him on a different level than you and I do because they lived with him. They walked with him. They were taught directly by him. Now we're blessed with all this documentation that, that where they documented their time with him, they've provided through the, the Holy Spirit through these authors have provided us guidance through that. And that's wonderful, but they knew him on a different level than you and I do. And it still took the return of Christ, that his resurrection, and then the indwelling of the Holy Spirit for things to click. So it's going to be tough for us. We are going to struggle with it. Now, if we are truly saved, we've been indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So we have that tool to help us understand, but that doesn't mean we're not going to have to work at it. And as as randy was speaking of this weekend we got to meditate on it i mean he was talking about it that the um <clears throat> the w- word there for meditation that that ends up being translated into the english meditation basically harkens back to the functionality of the of the cow the cow um, basically the word the the first stomach of the cow where the cow eats The food goes into that first stomach comes back out and they, they regurgitate it back out and they continue to chew on it and chew on it and chew on it. And I love that he used that, that, that illustration because I've used it before in our Sunday school class, that that constant chewing that the cow does that to suck every bit of nutrient out of that, which he's eaten or she's eaten. Well, that's what the meditation has to be for you and I to meditate on this. And this prayer Deserves our attention as well as all, all the other scripture does, but it deserves our attention to focus on this and to learn from this because it is truly significant. Again, it is the Son speaking to the Father about the eternal plan that the Son, when He's crying, Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, He's being very, very clear, as I said last evening. He's being very, very clear. He's saying, complete this work in me, no matter what it takes of me to glorify me. He knows that glorification will come. As I said, from him being arrested, from him being beaten and whipped to being unrecognizable, to him being reviled and then crucified on that cross. And then taking the punishment for the sins that have been placed upon him. He knows that's where the glory comes in and is horrible as horrible as all that is. In that most heinous of crimes, the son is most wonderfully glorified as is the father. The father is glorified in the son's obedience. Uh, you and I always have to understand that Christ could have climbed down off that cross. Christ could have summoned, summoned legions of angels that could have wiped the face of the earth. But he chose to obey his father and to pay that price. And that is what this prayer is about. And he's speaking of that relationship. He's speaking of that eternal life. He's providing that relationship that is being provided Through him to God, where he is the mediator. He is our high priest. That's why they call it the high priestly prayer, where he's coming to the father and saying, Father, please watch over them and keep them. He says, verse 11, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are. Okay. That's the significance of this prayer. That's how important this prayer is. Um, so please don't just gloss over it. Dig into it. And we're going to do it. The fact is, um, God willing, over the next four nights, I think it's the next four nights, we're going to deal with the next four verses. Verses two, three, four, and 5. It's going to be the next four nights, God willing. Um, again, we're not going to race through this. We're going to take our time through this, and we're going to truly understand Jesus communication with the father. All right. Well, that's going to do it for tonight. I know it was a little bit short, but I just wanted to I just wanted to kind of nail down and wrap this section up and prepare us for diving into the rest of the rest of John 17. All right. I hope you have yourself a wonderful evening. And let's go ahead and close out with prayer. We're going to close out with the fourth day evening prayer. It's called God all sufficient. Let's pray. King of glory, divine majesty, every perfection adorns thy nature and sustains thy throne the heavens and earth are thine the world is thine in its fullness thy power created the universe from nothing thy wisdom has managed all its multiple concerns presiding over nations families individuals thy goodness is boundless all creatures wait on thee are supplied by thee are satisfied in thee how precious are the thoughts of thy mercy and grace how excellent thy loving kindness that draws men to thee Teach us to place our happiness in Thee, the blessed God, never seeking life among the dead things of earth, or asking for that which satisfies the deluded. But may we prize the light of Thy smile, implore the joy of Thy salvation, find our heaven in Thee. Thou hast attended to our happiness more than we can do. Though we are fallen creatures, Thou hast not neglected us. In love and pity Thou hast provided us a Savior. Apply His redemption to our hearts by justifying our persons and sanctifying our natures. We confess our transgressions, have mercy on us. We are weary, give us rest. Ignorant, make us wise unto salvation. Helpless, let thy strength be made perfect in our weakness. Poor and needy, bless us with Christ's unsearchable riches. Perplexed and tempted, let us travel on, unchecked and undismayed. Knowing that thou hast said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Blessed be thy name. All right, well, I hope you have yourself a wonderful evening. And I hope to see you tomorrow morning. Have a good night. God bless.